everyone. Welcome to the Sponge Talk Podcast. I'm so excited because this week we are speaking with Ruthie Carlson. Um, I know her from my hometown. She is involved in my church. She's a mom. She's an artist. She's a blogger. And I can't wait for y'all to hear everything she has to say. Okay, today we are speaking with Ruthie Carlson. Um, She's so sweet to me because her daughter, Mary Cam, has actually taught me. um, She was my small groups leader at Trinity Church since I was in sixth grade until about my senior year of high school. And so that is just such a sweet relationship. And then um, Ruthie's family is just close to my family, too, with my grandmother and everything like that. So, um, Ruthie, we're so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me. You know, one funny thing, you know, I coached your mom in volleyball. Did you know that? I did not. She played on my volleyball team. Yeah. I coached um, for about six years before I had children and uh, your mom was on my team. So yeah, that's how I got to know your mom was so well. Isn't that funny? So our families go way back. So I do. I adore your grandparents and they're precious to my family as well. So yeah. So thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Would you mind telling us a little bit just about yourself um, and your family and things like that? Yes. Thank you for asking. I'm Ruthie Carlson. I have been married for almost 32 years. Um, I married Eddie Carlson, who is, you know, amazing and wonderful. And um, we have five children, four of whom are married. My oldest is 30 and my youngest is 25. So crazy. We had uh, five children under the age of five for for a little while. Um, But I will say um, two for the price of one. We had twins at the end, you know, so that kind of made it uh, that five under five. But yeah, so I taught school and coached girls athletics before children. And then the Lord was so sweet to allow me to stay at home. And I was able to stay home with um, my children when we started having children. So, um, and that I feel like, you know, was just for me, a dream come true. My mama stayed home and I just feel very blessed by that. And just thought that was something that Eddie and I had talked about before we got married, that that was just one of those, you know, goals to be able to stay home. And, um, so that was one of our favorite things. So we have been empty nesters now for about two years. So it's pretty crazy that you do it for 30 years and then boom, in two years, everybody's out of the house. But um, that's about it. Good. And what I'm going to love for us to talk about today is um, your artwork and just how your family is so creative. But before we get into that, something I like to ask everyone is what is an area of goodness that you have seen in your life recently? And that can be anything. You can tell us a story, tell us about a person. It can be anything. May I say that just having read in Psalm 63 this week, when David says, my lips will ever praise thee because your loving kindness is greater than life. So having said that, God's goodness is every day and all around. And so I feel overwhelmed every day getting to see His goodness and His grace towards me. Just thinking about that specifically and this, you know, just this crazy season that we're in of pandemic and unknown, um, just to be completely vulnerable the, the first week of the pandemic in March, I really um, experienced weird fear that I had never experienced before. It really overwhelmed me, just the fear and anxiety of the unknown and 
not being able to protect my family and, you know, just, just those unknowns. I had, you know, two girls that were teaching school and just new babies in our, in our lives and older parents who have underlying conditions. Anyway, the whole thing was so overwhelming emotionally for me. The fear really gripped me. And I would be really honest to say that it was really just that first week. And the only thing I could think of was just God's sweetness to hear his voice and for him to woo me and call me to his word. And I can tell you that being in his word this past 16, 17 weeks, really and truly just more than than most. The time slowed, the days felt a little bit longer, the time slowed a little bit more for me. Obviously, people are not dropping in. I'm no longer teaching. So there were just a lot of changes in everybody's life. But for me to be able to sit and spend more time in the Word, and I began to, um, I've always loved to memorize His Word, but um, to really take long passages and um, start to memorize long passages and really take ownership of those things and to pray those scriptures back to the Lord. And one just in particular, Psalm 139, where He says, you know, I have hemmed you in. I enclosed you behind and before, and my right hand will lay hold of you. There were just those things that I really, really clung to, just His Word, and amazing how God took that fear and just turned it into peace and turned it into rest. And you know, and I know that it's supernatural. It's really nothing that I can muster or that I could, I could make myself. He honestly oh, was so gracious to, to really just wash over me with peace and with confidence. And so crazy, would you believe that during this past 16 weeks, my children have all called at different times, struggling with different things through the pandemic. And I felt so prepared because of what the Lord had taken me through just to be able to listen, but to be able to share the scriptures that God had so graciously given to me and then to pass those and to watch them be able to, you know, maneuver through the uncertainty of every day. So I'm so honestly, to me, to see God's goodness in my life and His grace in that way and to be able to uh, watch it just grow in my children um, over the past 16 weeks has been my greatest my greatest joy. I love that you um, spoke so heavily about your family and about scripture because so many people that I have interviewed recently, their area of goodness has literally just been reading scripture and it's so good. And I think it's okay sometimes in our lives if, if that maybe is not the first area we go to. Like um, I had a friend who spoke to me about all this walking that she had been doing and the ways the Lord was working in her life through people and through that. But I think it's really interesting how so many people have felt so called to go straight to the source of truth and straight to scripture. And I just think that is such evidence of the Lord is working. Oh, absolutely. And I've got to say, it is His love letter to me. And it speaks directly and it's powerful and it's living and it's breathing. And I, you know how you hear that from the pulpit, you know, growing up that God's word is living and breathing. And you're like, um, you know, God's word is living and breathing, but I never really experienced that in such a way as when I'm going through something difficult. I know that when my daddy died six years ago, it was one of the, the most devastating things for me. And the day after the first thing I did was get up in the morning and just tearfully and, and, you know, just aching so big that I went straight to his word and really didn't know where I wanted to read or where I wanted to start. I just, I just knew that he was wooing me to be in his word. And as I would read, honestly, just not really with direction, but just went to his Psalms, Psalms of praise, just, I went, man, that's what it means to see God's word living and breathing to physically wash over you and to heal you and to help you and to comfort you and to strengthen you. 
it is my favorite place and it definitely is my go-to. And so, you know, and I love it. And I love to memorize long passages. When I memorize smaller verses, um, I love that, but I really invest when I choose to memorize chapters or books or, and things like that. So I highly recommend that as, as a, you know, you know, write it down and carry it with you and, and, and to memorize. So you always have it in your heart. So I love that. So I can't recommend that enough. So I just think it's so cool how so many people I've spoken to recently have felt so called to go right to scripture. And I don't know, that's just been a really big theme across my life for the past few weeks that I'm really thankful for. But so what I would love for us to talk about is, so you're an artist and we spoke yesterday about how all of your kids are creative and all of them. It's so fun for me because I follow, I think most of them on Instagram and you. And it's so fun for me to see the ways that all of you have um, your different areas of being creative and you all make things that are so different, but it's so cool to just see that and how, um, how well you all execute those, those avenues of creativity and how humbly y'all do that too. So if you just want to tell me a little bit what you told me yesterday about what that means to you and how you grew up to be creative. You're so sweet. Thank you for asking. I would say that I grew up in a creative household. Dad, my daddy painted and it was one of those things that he and I did together. And it started when I was little and he would take me to the office with him. He owned a printing company and he would take me with him on Saturday mornings and set me up at his artist's table, which you can imagine it just smelled so good. It had crayons and pens and markers and rulers and compasses and just cool things and all the paper that you could ever imagine. And I would color and draw until daddy was ready to go. And I was never ready to go. And so I think I knew then this is what I was going to do forever. When I went to college, I really wanted to major in art and called daddy and told him, I think I'm going to major in art. And I know that you have, that you haven't, daddy wouldn't let me do that. So there you go. He said, no, you'll, you'll never find a job, you know. So here I am. So I majored in physical education instead. So um, that was, a you know, probably not much better, but I loved it because it, connected me with people. And so that was my favorite thing was coaching girls athletics, but always in my heart, you know, you just, when you just want to create, you just have to create. And when I had five children under the age of five, um, I, I had a need to create and I missed it. Um, and I was busy filling sippy cups and changing diapers and staying on a schedule with my children. And I loved to schedule with my children. And I decided that I would build in a creative time with them. And I, th- and I was telling you yesterday, it's probably more selfish than anything else because I so desired, do you know what I'm saying? I so desired to be creating something I, I, and it didn't matter if we were painting noodles and making necklaces or, you know, we would do all kind of, cra- we would melt crayons. We, we did the course sidewalk chalk like everybody else, but I set, a t- I set aside some time with them every day just to do creative things. And we were laughing yesterday going, I would have given anything for Google so I could have Googled art projects because you know, you kind of had to be creative with whatever you could find in your in your cabinet. I think we would cover, you know, cereal boxes and wrapping paper. Uh, this is a funny story. I will say one of the funniest times was my twins, my babies, were juniors in high school, I think. They both came home one afternoon. And it was in the winter because it, it got dark late. And I, they were like, oh, we have chemistry tests tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I am dying to try marbleizing paper. And I read, all you got to do is spray paint water, stir it around, put your paper in there. And I'm ready. Y'all, we've got to do this. This is so, I mean, so we are out in the dark, in the yard, spray painting water, marbleizing all this very cool paper. And 
they laughed so hard. They, they started calling me vacation Barbie that day because I was like, school, who cares? No, we're going to do, let's do something fun. So um, the twins have dubbed me as vacation Barbie because I would be like, y'all, y'all do fine on that desk. Let's, let's, let's marvelize paper. Yeah. But, but we just did really fun, creative things. And as they started to get older, I could see where their gifts were leaning and they would lean into things. One of them was better with her fingers and small items. And so I got her into jewelry making and beads and stuff like that. And um, she actually was selling bracelets in the fourth grade, you know, so it was hilarious. I think one boy, you know, who was kind of crushed on her bought like, you know, 18 bracelets one day, but I'm not even joking about that. But, um, but you know, those little things fuel that interest and excitement, you know, when, when you get paid for a little something that you've done. And my baby had an Etsy shop at a really early age. She, she was making flower crowns and doing really cool things. And um, her first sale was to a girl in New York, you know, so those, those sales really spurred those things in. But I could see as they were getting older that their love or their bent kind of leaned in a direction. So I really tried to nurture those by reading or giving them just an opportunity to try something new. And so I've got one who loves watercolor and, and acrylic. And I've got one who's incredibly talented with, you know, guitar and music. And, you know, Mary Cam, who you know really well, is so gifted with her calligraphy and all of her really neat note cards and painting. And one that sews, unbelievable, begged me to teach her to sew. And I just said, no, 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 you you're not probably going to really enjoy sewing till you get a little bit older. And it was so funny. She just got that sewing machine out and taught herself how to sew. And now she's French hand sewing every weekend. And, and then my, my, my baby actually loves to oil paint and to draw. And I love that because that's my, my area of love. So I feel like we get to share that. So I just think it's so important to nurture those, those loves of creative hobbies because it gives kids an outlet and gives me an outlet. And so I've just been super thankful for those creative outlets over this past couple of weeks because they've all been able to fill some of their free time with their hobbies and activities. And it's and it brings joy to them as well as to other people. And it's just a bonus to be able to get to share it on Instagram. And I love the avenue of Instagram. For me, it has been an, an opportunity to to not only sell art, but to share Christ. And so I just feel like these gifts are, you know, just a sweet reflection of Christ. And if we can share him, use our gifts to, to share him and share those, those things that he's given us. I just feel like that is, you know, what we're called to do. And so that's what I'm about. So that, that I hope um, is what you see when you visit my Instagram and, and my children's as well. So I, I totally, I love everything you just said. When I was little, I found some pictures um, of myself and I was like, wearing this sort of like hippie jeans with my hair and like the middle part and like sitting on the back porch with so many colored pencils and crayons. And I had the most serious look on my face. I was just really studying something. And it's funny because people will say, when did you start um, being an artist or when did you start painting or drawing? And I'm just like, I have no idea. I just have always done it. And I have really sweet memories of being young and just loving being um, creative and producing art and things like that. And I think you're so right that I was blessed to have people in my life who were, who nurtured that, you know, I had art teachers who really saw me and nurtured that in me and my, my parents. I'm so blessed that they were able to provide for me so many different materials. You know, that's so sweet. I, there's a funny story. Once when I was little at a restaurant in Montgomery, I was 
I was sitting at the table and they had the paper tablecloth and they had, um, I asked for some crayons, of course. And there was a lady in the restaurant who was so striking and I just thought she was so interesting. And so I drew her on the table and then uh, my parents were like, what, why did you do that? And it was kind of like, they, we kind of thought she would be mad about it, but she loved it. She asked if she could keep it. It was just so, it's funny to look back and have memories like that. And, and that just encourages you to go, oh, I want to do that again, you know, yeah. because, because you got great, you got, you got some really good feedback. I know with great feedback also comes, you know, sometimes constructive criticism, but that always turns out to be for the best as well. Um, mm-hmm. cause you try a little harder or try something a little bit different, but I, I love that. I would say that I loved watching my children grow in that area. And if I could, I would say that we are as a family, as a group, or each other's biggest cheerleader, it's so important to have that encouragement, I think, especially creatively. And and I do, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I think that people go, most likely would say, oh, well, you, you were born to be able to draw, or you were born to be able to do that. And I, I would say that we are all creative because we are all made in the image of, of God. And when you look at God as the creator of the universe, and all you have to do is look outside today and see that gorgeous green grass, all the colors in the grass and flowers and trees and even you we are a reflection of his beauty and of his creativity people will say to me oh i can't draw a straight line but but honestly you don't have to be creative with a crayon or a piece of charcoal it could be a tablescape i laugh i I teach a lot and i say you know what it could be for you it could be a well-organized spreadsheet you know that brings you joy but that is very creative in its own right it might be a tablescape. It might be a garden. It might be what you cook for dinner. It might be just how you rearrange your closet, you know, just whatever. That is that creative thing. And wherever you bend in that area, I say, just lean into it and enjoy it. I also think that um, most art skills are learned. I've, I have learned so much over the years, things I didn't think that I could do. And as I read and as I study and as I practice, you know, you hone in on those skills. And so I say that if it's something that you're interested in, whether it's printmaking or whether it's um, a, an incredible recipe, lean in and practice until you get it just like you like it. And, um, and, then, and then invite others to enjoy what God has gifted you with. You know, he just didn't give us those sweet things to hide or to do in our closet, right? He gave us those sweet gifts to share with others. And I think it's so, I mean, my favorite thing. Um, Mother's Day, for example, you know, I, I tell my children, don't buy me one thing. Please make me something. Make me something. If it's a card or whatever, just make me something. And I think a handmade gift shows um, effort. It shows thought. And it shows love in a way that people don't experience that much. And when you receive something that's handmade, whatever it might be, man, it just sends you over the moon and back. You know, I just love it. And so I think if we can lean into those gifts and practice and um, develop those skills, whatever it might be, and then share them with others, that just think that's what God has called us to do in a big way. And I think it ministers to people's hearts and souls, especially during this time when people don't get out as much, or you know of someone that is, even if it's just a handwritten note, you know, draw on the front of the envelope. I mean, I probably do that every time I send something, but just a sweet note to let somebody know that you're thinking about them and that they're not alone. I just think that's so important. And if it's handmade, it's just that sweet little touch of love and care that we all benefit from. So another thing I would love to talk about is for me, I found that it's so cool to see how my faith and my artwork intertwine. And um, I brought this on a note because I wanted to read it. But once when I, I did a drawing, I like to my 
I like to paint and draw the human body a lot. I don't know why, but I just do. And um, once I wrote, whenever I mix a color, paint a stroke, draw a line, I create. And when I create, I pour myself into my creation. I deeply care for my art. I love it and I want to protect it. It is a part of me. But quickly I realized that my feeling can only be a fraction of what God deeply feels for us, his creation. So something I have felt for so long is I feel like the Lord has given me a gift of creating and of painting and drawing because it allows me to see more clearly the way that he feels about us. And I feel so blessed with that area of my life. And I just think he really speaks to my heart in that way. Like once, so my senior year of high school, we do it every year, but the seniors always put on a huge show and sell a lot of their work. And I put pretty much everything I had done over the course of those four years on sale. And that was that was really hard. And I wanted to sell it because I wanted people to see my work and I wanted to share it with them. But I remember a lot of it sold. And this is most of the work I had done in my lifetime. I was happy with selling it, but I went back to the room at the school where all the work was. And I didn't expect any of it to have been picked up yet. I thought it would all still be there. Um, but some people had already come and pick up the work that they had paid for. And I just started crying and I just cried and cried because I was, I felt so sad that I was saying goodbye to pieces and may never see them again. And sometimes that still makes me so upset, but of course it's a blessing and I'm grateful to be able to sell work, but it can also be hard because I don't want to part with it. Um, but I think that again, just shows you know, a fraction of the way the Lord feels about us, you know, when he, when we're distant from him, how does that make him? Absolutely. And um, how does he feel that he literally wove every parts of our body? Like after I create a work, sometimes I just stare at it for a really long time (laughs) and I just go back and look at pictures of it because I just, I love it. And I just can't imagine the way that the Lord feels about us. Oh man, absolutely. I think that is so sweet. I've talked to another young girl who's just starting out. And she said, it's really hard for me to part with my work. And I love that. And she said the very same thing that you said, that she has invested so much of her heart into that work that she just, she hasn't reached a point where she's quite ready to get, you know, to part with it. And I think that is so precious to feel that strongly about something that you're doing. I don't know that I necessarily feel that way about pieces that I create as much as I do my process, because I feel like every time I paint, I'm learning something. And every time I paint, it's not always a success. You know, sometimes I hit roadblocks. Sometimes I feel frustrated. Other times I paint like, where did that come from? It just came out of nowhere. So for me, I see it more as a process. And I love that because I see my life more as a process. And I see that the Lord is using that gift to, to make me more like him, to draw me into Um, other people's lives as well as my family. And he's used that gift in such a mighty way to minister to others. I don't ever see myself at a point where I'm, you know, reached the end. You know, I just feel like I will always be learning. I will always be a process. I will always be a project. So I see it more like that. And when those times where I, you know, that I feel like I, you know, I'm not painting or I'm feeling a little frustrated, don't know what I really want to paint. It's so interesting because God takes my eyes off of me and puts my eyes on what really on him and what he's doing through me. And it, and at the end of the day, man, it's just, it is so focused on where he's taking that piece and what he's going to do with that piece that I really, I'm not that attached to that piece as much as I am connecting to that person that is 
is going to receive it or or a conversation with someone else or just watching what the Lord is changing in me or working on in me. So I think for me, it's the process. I love, I love though, hearing you talk about investing your heart in your work um, because I think, man, that is just special. That is beautiful. That is, you're giving yourself to that. And, and for someone else to hang that in their home, I think is just a love note from you. And they're going to see, you know, that sweet reflection of Christ every time they hang. And whenever I send a piece of art, you know, mail a piece of art to someone or somebody purchases a piece of art, um, a precious artist that I painted with one time said, always wrap it like it was a gift. I wrap it every time I send it. It has big bows. It has cellophane. It has a handwritten note. And um, so when you when you receive a piece of art from me, um, you know, it will look like a gift. You will open it and it'll feel like a gift. Even though you paid for it, it's still, I hope it always feels like a gift. But I, I love sending a handwritten note because I want them to know why I painted that and what the Lord was teaching me while I was painting that particular painting. So um, just another way that, and I don't know, you know, who the people are receiving my work. Most of the time it's, you know, through Instagram. So I don't even know who they are except through a little conversation on Instagram, but just that chance to share Christ in that note. Um, I, when I finish the note, I say, I hope every time you see this piece, it brings you joy and reminds you of Christ. And that is my, that is my joy. And that is my, my hope that whatever it is I'm sending out, that they see Christ and um, that they may come to know him. So that's a kind of a cool thing. That's beautiful. I've never heard anything like that. And I We'll definitely not forget that. I'm glad that you brought up the process of creating a work um, because for me, sometimes I feel like I there's like a last phase of a painting and I kind of, sometimes I have to turn off the music that I'm listening to and I have to just totally zone out, but zone completely into the painting. And it's weird because it's this time and you have no idea how much time goes by. I just like have to push through that phase and it's my favorite part because I feel like I'm very detail oriented. So the last phase for me, especially on portraits, is usually the most fun because it's when it comes the most alive. And I think it's so funny the way that the Lord gives us the, the joy and the blessing of creating art and gives us the joy of of it being an emotional process. And it's just, it's so fascinating to me. It absolutely is. Katie Gray and I were painting my baby, Katie Gray, and I were painting together last week, and we didn't have any music on. And that was the first thing I asked her. I said, baby, when you paint at home, do you have music on or do you not? It was so funny to me that I asked her that. The same thing. She said, it depends on where I am in the painting. You know, it depends on if I'm struggling or if, I, if I'm in that last phase, putting in those details. I love that you said it brings it to, it brings it to life. It really, really does. She loves portraiture as well. I think that is such a gift. I'm more abstracted in my portraiture, but she is working on a portrait now. And it's so fun. You know, when she puts that little glint in the eye or the little pink in the nose, that little face is going to come to life. And um, it was interesting to hear her say the same thing. But I think all of us, our, our process is different. But again, um, isn't that so cool how God is working on all of us in different ways and in different areas and everybody's process is different and everybody's growth time is different. You know, I think that's an amazing thing because when, when I'm in a, in a place where, um, I'm growing or struggling, I, I can always count on my girls 
to probably not be in that same place. So I know that they're going to be able to come alongside and be that encouragement um, and be able to pray for me in that area. And so I love that God works on us at different times and takes us through tough times in different ways and in different areas, just so that we can um, be so conscious to come alongside each other and lift each other up. But um, I do find such joy in creating a piece. And um, I could, gosh, I know you probably would say the same thing. You sit down and think, I'm just going to work on this one little thing. I just have a few minutes. And three hours later, you're like, what? I'm still sitting here, you know, because it's just you dive in and you just lose track of time. And it's a, it's just such a fun place to be. It really is just so fascinating. And I think it's cool how time just totally slips away. So I actually have a professor at school. She was I took Introduction to Painting second semester, and my professor is fabulous. She is so smart, and she's so good at teaching. Um, she's such a talented painter herself. She told me once after a critique, her and I were just talking about my piece, And she said, I always admire the character of a painter. And she always tells us that the painting process teaches you about life. You have to focus and you have to overcome obstacles and you have to just be persistent and like you have to be gracious with yourself. You know, it's all about perspective and it's okay to mess up because often the best painters are are painting so loose and they're painting like with no, they're not. She kept trying to get us out of like small little brush strokes. She was like, you just have to be okay with messing up guys, this is about life. And then she told me, I always admire the character of a painter because starting a painting, it takes risk. It could be a scary thing. And the way refines your character and the way that it works on you as you work on the creation, she said it always, all successful painters have the most beautiful and fascinating character. I thought that was so intriguing that she told me that. I love that you shared that. I will think about that. I will actually journal that and think through that. And I appreciate that so much. That has a lot of information on a lot of levels. I got to say, I would say that your worst painting is probably your best teacher, Um, you know, and your worst painting is probably your biggest success because you're going to come away from it, um, maybe frustrated and disappointed that it didn't turn out. But at the end of the day, you're going to learn those rabbit trails not to go down. And you're going to learn those things. You're going to learn a new color. You're going to learn a color you don't ever want to use again. That mistake or that that fail is really probably your you know your biggest success because you're going to learn so much from it. I was when as you were talking about that, I was thinking to myself, it's interesting because I was just took a workshop not long ago. This particular artist um, always does a thumbnail sketch before she begins on, in her journal, and she says it's so important to me to problem solve on my piece of paper before I actually take the brush to the canvas. And I am swing by the seat of your pants, girl. And I am very spontaneous and I have a lot of energy and I'm like, oh, I'm ready to get to the canvas. Oh, I'm ready to get paint on the canvas. Oh, I'm ready to pull out that new color. And so the other day I was painting, Katie Gray and I actually were painting together. We were laughing so hard because I said, hey, I'm not going to do the thumbnail sketch. I'm good. I'm just going to go ahead and get it on my canvas. Okay. I had to scrape that painting four times and go back to a thumbnail sketch. I could not believe it. It was probably in my mind because I've never done that before, but I think I was just so hooked on it. Oh my goodness, Lucy, I had to go back and draw that thing. It was actually a, a, a building. So it needed to be, your lines need to be close to perfect, you know, otherwise wonky, you know, but I thought, man, take time, stop, be still, figure it out, start at the beginning, get your thumbnail sketch, get your loose lines on your canvas, then block in with big color and then come back in and start to add. You know, it's just, it is a process. And it and it does, man, it takes patience. Um, and it takes problem solving and thinking and planning ahead. And 
Um, not all the time, not all the time, but I would say more times than not, I pretty much do the same thing with every single painting, but every time I enjoy it a little bit more because I've learned from that last thing that I painted yesterday or the thing that I painted a week ago. So um, I love that, you know, to admire the character of the, of the artist. I will, I will journal that and think through that and all the, the artists that have, you know, impacted my life and been a part of my life. That'll be really fun for me to go back and think through conversations that I've had and what I've learned, not just on the canvas, but off the canvas. So thank you for sharing that. I love that. I love that she told me that. Yeah. So another thing I wanted to speak about is, so I took um, an English class second semester at the same time that I was taking my painting class. And around that time, I also went, we had a guest speaker come. I think his name is Peter Campus, and he does video installation artwork. So I went to one of his, um, his gatherings, and he was speaking about preserving artwork. And it's something I hadn't thought a ton about, but it was so interesting to hear the ways that Obviously, technology is updated over time, so some of his work is left completely unretrievable, and he just can't have it anymore. And we were talking a lot about what it means to preserve artwork, and he left me thinking, like, obviously, over time, artwork fades, and it's it's a material thing, and it's going to go away eventually. And we spoke about that a lot in my English class, too, because I was in British literature. It was all about um, statues and sculptures decaying and weathering away. and But also it was about the way that both literary and physical artwork have the power to secure and bring meaning and worth to a story or to a person or to a thing. Um, but I'm just curious, have you ever kind of grappled with the ephemerality of artwork and the frustration of it not being completely permanent? I ended up writing my like final paper on that whole subject and about how Maybe, you know, um, achieving to capture this beauty in a permanent way is better than not trying at all. You know, I'm just I'm curious if you've ever kind of struggled with that, that tension between permanence and being temporary in your art. That is so interesting. I've never really thought about that to that great extent, but listening to you talk about it. uh, In fact, I had a girl message me the other day and just ask, how do you seal a painting? She's taken my online class on Wednesday nights. And um, I just thought, wow, I love that you even thought I haven't covered that in my class yet. So I appreciated her even reaching out to me and saying, how do I save it? How do I keep it? And that's so funny. I just interesting that she would message me about that yesterday and then to talk to you about that. You know, I haven't really, really thought about it that much. I know that nothing lasts forever. I guess my first thought is the only two things that last forever are the Word of God, which we started out talking about, and the souls of men. And my biggest thing would would be the people that I come in contact with. My biggest hope for them would be that they know Christ so that, um, because at the end of the day, it's not going to matter if you have the most beautiful paintings hanging on your wall. It's going to matter whether or not you know Christ and where you're going to spend eternity. So I haven't really thought about my paintings as much being eternal as much as I have the souls of men and people that I come in contact with. But to touch on that just a little I think you do as much as you can um, to seal it, to protect it. You know, I, I care about where I hang my paintings in my house, that they're not right directly in sunlight. At the end of the day, I'm not going to hang it in the dark. And I'm just, I want it to be where you can see it and enjoy it and love it. So that's important. So I do think about things like that as far as where I, ha- like I have a little sunroom that where I have my quiet time and I love that area and I have a painting that I adore and I want to be able to see it, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm in there and I think, 
but I don't want to hang it in front of that window because I want it to last as long as it as it will. But I guess everything fades. And as far as that goes, I want to enjoy it now. I want to I want to love it now. And I want to share it with others now. And just know that I don't know that I would be as concerned about about that. I don't I think that all my artwork will outlive me. At the end of the day, I want to enjoy it today and enjoy it now. And I want others to enjoy it now. I think also, you know, think about it too, how your likes and dislikes change um, with everything, right? You like, I used to love cheese pizza and my husband ordered Supreme and I was like, now I'm like, oh, I just want to have Supreme. You know what I'm saying? I mean, your likes and your dislikes change so much. You know, the dress that you loved last season, you're not going to wear it again. I have not grown weary of the paintings that I have in my house right now. I love to hang paintings. This is cool. This is a great thought. I just thought of this as I'm talking to you. The paintings in my house are all by people I know. The fact that I have a painting in my house by my friend, Sally Boyd, I love it. It's one of her very first paintings. And I'll tell you, it's one of my favorites because she painted it. She would probably say to me, oh, Ruthie, I painted, that was probably one of my very first paintings. Don't hang that in your house. But I love it because it tells a story and because I see Sally in that painting. And I love that. Um, I have a painting by one of my good friends, Nan Cunningham. And it's not a subject that I paint. It's not, you know, it doesn't match my sofa. Love the artwork, but I love the artist. I love her. And so to me, I will never grow weary of looking at that because it reminds me of how much I love her. For me, the artwork that's hanging in my house is very personal. I will always have it because in my mind, I've I've hung a friend. I've hung a story. I've hung love on my wall. Does that make, that sounds so cheesy to say that. And I think it's cool that as believers, we can rest in the fact that the things that we, and this goes beyond art, but the things that we gather and the things that we achieve and the things we make on earth are all, um, they're all not lasting. But I think as believers, we are okay with that and we can have peace with that. So I think our heart approaching that would be different than that of a non-believer. I could see maybe a non-believer being frustrated with the idea of paintings and of artwork uh, weathering away. But I do, I love that you say that paintings, really the point is they capture, they capture people and they capture stories. And I think even the work we create has the power, you know, through God to, to soften souls. And if souls are the thing that lasts, then maybe our artwork does last, you know, and I just I love, love that. Mm-hmm. I love to see, I love to see your perspective on that and on the process and the way that it's, it's such a personal thing. I love that. It is. It really is. And I love that. I love it when somebody, when I paint something and somebody will go, will message me and say, oh my goodness, you know, that reminds me of, you know, being with my grandmother, you know, something, or that reminds me of a childhood memory or that I used to do that with my mom or, you know, whatever. And it immediately, they connect with it. And that's when I know, oh, I want this piece to go to your house because it spoke to you and it reminded you of something special and deep. I love that. So sometimes I look at my work and I I want it to always tell a story. So when I, when I'm painting something, I think to myself, what does this piece communicate to me? What, and what do I want to communicate to someone else? And I will tell you nine times out of 10, it's not going to matter what it communicates to me because it's going to communicate something completely different to you. And it's always so interesting to me what other people see um, or what it reminds them. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever experienced that? I do for sure. I just think it's the funniest thing. Mm-hmm. Like um, some of my finals for my art classes and things like that, I'll of course paint it with this very specific idea in mind, and it's cool because sometimes people really pick up on that and they really feel that same emotion or feel that same thing. And but then other times it speaks to them in an incredibly different way. But it's beautiful, and ultimately 
it's not up to me. You know, it's it's not in my power to, to tell them what to feel from looking at a at a work. So I think that's just another way we can surrender this area of our lives. You know. But one question I like to ask everyone in closing is, is there a statement of truth that upon hearing it was life-changing for you? This can be scripture breeds, it can be straight from scripture, or it can just be something you heard someone say once that really stuck with you. And of course, this can be, it can be about being creative, it can be about art for you, or it can be about something entirely different or your walk with the Lord or anything like that. I think for me, it would be a scripture. And one of my most favorite would be in Psalm 73, just says that, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. And then it goes on down just to say that he is my portion forever and the nearness of God is my good. And I actually had a, an artist paint for me in text, the nearness of God is my good. And if I could just give anything to anyone It would just be the assurance that God is good all the time and that He loves us so much that He willingly and freely gave His only Son for us so that we might have eternal life. And all we have to do is believe and to receive that. And I think that that nearness of God, especially when I'm sitting at the easel or if I'm sitting at the breakfast table or if I'm feeding my family on the 4th of July or whatever that is, the nearness of God is my good. And if I could share anything with anybody, it would be to sit and to be still and experience the nearness of God wherever you are and whatever you do. So, um, yeah. So I just appreciate you so much taking the time to share with people your love of this creative journey in your life. I think you're an amazing girl. And I I respect you, and I'm so proud of you, and I love that I know you. And when you texted me and said, I'm Lucy, I was like, girl, I know you. Um, (laughs) I watch you, and I'm so proud of you. And other people are watching you, and you are such a sweet aroma and reflection of Christ. And I'm excited for you and what God's going to do in your life. And, um, And in this podcast is just amazing. I just think you're amazing. And I'm excited, and I'm excited for your journey. Thank you so much. That is so encouraging. You're so sweet. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at sponge underscore talk underscore podcast and stay tuned for next week and share with all your friends and family. Bye.